Hi everyone, welcome. Uh, my name is Nick. I've known Al for quite a while now. Um, I get to help people start things. And uh, I don't know if you all know this, but I've been kind of behind the scenes with you all. Uh, before your first public launch, which I know got delayed. <laughs> and I know you all moving toward a new one, which is really exciting. So just props to you for doing this. Uh, as a person who's, uh, I've given my life to, to new churches. I believe in new churches in ways that I would like to talk with you more about if you want to go deeper into the importance of new churches and um, how we can do better with starting new churches in uh, not only Los Angeles, but beyond. So I'm the director of Cyclical LA, which works with like 40 different new churches in Los Angeles area. And then the executive director of Cyclical Incorporated, which is a nonprofit that helps create ecosystems for starting new churches and cities in Canada, the United States, and Europe. So um, I'm coming with that bias, so you should know that. I think new churches are really important. I love new churches and just feel so grateful that you all are putting in this time, effort, energy. I know it's not easy work to start a new church. But literally, where else do you get to be in a church where there's dogs running around and barking, right? That's fantastic. I love it. Um, I'm married to Whitney. Uh, our, my son's Lee. He has the long hair running around. Uh, we live in Eagle Rock. Um, yeah, we've been in L.A. for like 16 years, and uh, we love it. find ourselves at home here. Uh, I would love for this to be a conversation. I asked to sit so we could just kind of sit. But I got the no from the, from the boss back there to, to sit, probably because of this thing right here, I would assume. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll awkwardly stand, probably. Um, but I would love for this to be a conversation. So please get ready to engage a little bit. Um, but let's start with a little, uh, if you can break into uh, groups of uh, two or three. Uh, we're going to talk about experiencing God um, today. And I know that that doesn't seem like too unique of a question in a church setting, but I think it's an important question that all too often doesn't actually get asked. Um, so three questions for you. We'll give you, how, how long do you normally take with this? Like five minutes or something? A little, little thing. So five minutes, three questions. How do you experience God? Number two, how have you felt God leading you in the past? And number three, how did you experience God this week? Got them? Got them logged? Put on your notes on your phone or something? <laughs> how, do, how, do you, how do you typically experience God? Number two, how have you felt God leading you and in the past? And how did you experience God leading you this week? Okay? So five minutes, ready, set, go. So where have you all been? You're doing Joy? Is that right? You're in like a series right now, Joy kind of stuff? Anything stand out where you've been so far? Let me start to try and implement that a little bit. Okay. So you're early on on it. What was week one? Any rememberings? Any good conversations about it? It's hard when you've heard a lot of sermons. Remembering what's what. I mean, I think what I've talked with Al a little bit. It's like joy versus happiness kind of stuff. Like joy, I. When we were talking about it, it felt like, like joy is a posture in life. I think of, I go to right away, like joy is not something to like be scheduled in. You know, it's not like from, on Tuesday from 9 to 10, I'm going to be joyful. The joy is just something that we have with us and we carry with us. And 
ultimately hopefully leads to a sense of flourishing and wholeness like shalom kind of theology i think al was talking about on that kind of stuff too uh, and i love that and that's a good place it's a good place for us to work from because i kind of want to intersect that that kind of posture of joy being humans of joy uh with the the mission of god so I'm going to take this in a little bit of a different direction through a text that I think is one of the most important texts for church planting um, that exists. Um, but before I get there, anything on how God reveals God's self to you all? Anything stand out? Any fun ones? Uh, we're going to be talking Holy Spirit, joy, God's mission, how the Spirit of God reveals itself to you. And I'll start. Um, we were speaking, and I'm a, I'm a flaming extrovert, like flaming extrovert. It's really hard for me to be by myself ever. Um, so I really experience God. I have like a semi-weekly cribbage game with my best friend. His name is Justin. We, I put my son down. We'll go out back. We'll uh, play cribbage. Typically, there'll be a glass or two of some whiskey, and we'll reflect on life our marriages, our families, our neighbors, our work. And um, for whatever reason, I get, lots of, um, I get lots of tears during those conversations. I get goosebumps in those conversations. And those to me are like most physical manifestations, which are really helpful for me because for the love of God, we are here worshiping an invisible God, right? And so the, when we can make that which is so invisible and abstract real and bring it down home, it's super helpful. Um, for me. But yeah, how about you all? How does the Holy Spirit charge in your life? How does God reveal God's self to you? Did it happen last week? Yes, no? Anything interesting? And I'm really comfortable with long periods of silence too, so I will, I'll, just, I'll just stand here. really nice what a gift that is <laughs> yeah you feel your temperature rising and then all of a sudden it evens out yeah yeah how many prayers for peace for people have we said over the years right how many prayers have we been fortunate to receive from people praying for peace for us that's a good one thank you for that any others I get it from driving driving Do you do special drives just to do this, or is it like while you're on the in-between? Yeah, Are you by yourself when this happens? Yeah. yeah. Always Good. alone. Yeah. yeah, right. It's different even if I listen to the same great music. Yeah. There's other people, it's not the same. Yeah. Have you heard the song? I, be, I do this too. Have you, I was just at a different church plant in Santa Monica last week. Uh, the song uh, Graves into Gardens. Yeah. Is that one that you all know? I'm new to new worship songs and that was a, that's a legit song that dun 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 that was great yeah cool thank you for that any others well i spend time i mean like i worry i get anxious 
that I'm missing opportunities that the Spirit of God is putting out in front of me. Uh, I actually spend probably an inordinate amount of time thinking this, just because what I'm kind of a schmuck. Like I'm, I'm, how much of my brain energy, how much of my heart, my soul, <clears throat> is going towards things like the latest Netflix series, or worrying about our finances, or spending time picking up things after my three-year-old son, which is now my second vocation. Like literally, I just pick up things in our house all the time, right? <clears throat> but I, I, I worry that I'm missing the opportunities the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit, if you will. We're going to reference that a lot. Uh, these, these opportunities that are being laid out in front of me, and I'm just being too schmucky and missing them, and uh, the repercussions of that in my own life and in the lives of others and opportunities that I might be able to have in relationship. So, all this said, let's go to Acts 8. I don't know if you all do Bibles. Do you do phone Bibles? Um, f- this is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Again, I think one of the most important texts for new churches that exists. Remember, just to set the stage a little, remember Luke and Acts are actually the same book. Did you all know that? Luke and Acts are the same book. They're just, they just, they split it up. Um, but it's the same writer, it's the same book all the way through. And the movement is really from uh, exclusivity and who's welcome into this thing, into this faith, towards inclusivity. Oh, really? That person's going to be welcome? Real? That person's going to be welcome? Oh, my. That person's going to be welcome? Oh, my goodness. We're going that far? That person's going to be welcome? And this is one of the major leaps that we get as we move from exclusivity to inclusivity in this interaction between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. A very unlikely duo here about to have a very unlikely conversation. Uh, is there a certain version of the Bible that you all read from? NIV. Did you guys do NIV? Does someone have NIV up? Can you read it? I don't have NIV in front of me. Oh, I'm sorry. No, definitely not. <laughs> it is long enough already, though, too. We're doing 26 through 40, so it is a little bit of a chunk uh, if you all want to split it up a little bit. But it's a compelling story. I really like this one, too. But yeah, if you can just yell it out, that'd be cool.
Like the ultimate mic drop moment there, right? Baptized, poof. I'm out of here. Love this text. So important. Uh, And because I do love it and have taught it a lot, I want to make sure I'm mindful of time. What's your What's your time situation? When are you all typically done? Twelve fifteen. So uh, do you want to do eleven minutes on this? Okay, eleven minutes. We gotta go real fast then. We go real fast. Um, Al told me try and keep your sermon under two hours. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's start with how Philip heard from God. Did you notice how Philip heard from God? Go back to verse 26 and 29. You can see how Philip heard from God. We see verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, "Get up and go toward the south to the road that comes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road." And then again, secondarily, 29. We see then the Spirit said to Philip, "Go over to this chariot." and join it begs the question how do you hear we have like direct hearing here right according to acts an angel of the lord which is an equivalent in this book of the spirit as well saying go over and do this how do you hear this is what you talked about hopefully in your group again for me i hear in community i'm a flaming extrovert i hear i hear the spirit of god in community i hear with my friend justin while we're playing cribbage I hear the Spirit a lot through my therapist. I don't know if you all have had this experience. She really speaks in my life, and I like legit moments. And again, like goosebumps and tears happen for me. How do you hear? This is a really important question. If you don't know the answer to this question, how you hear from God, how you hear from the Holy Spirit, uh, I would encourage you to investigate that more in your life. Because if we're going to do the thing that we're supposed to do after we hear and do it with courage, whatever it may be, then first we got to hear, right? First we got to listen. So action item number one, I'm a coach a lot of time. Action item number one, if you don't know the answer to that question, please spend some time with that. Talk to trusted friends, talk to trusted family, talk to people in your church and reflect on this and try and land on something that's pertinent for you. Second, I'm gonna go real faster. Philip's reaction, did you see his reaction? So again, verse 26, angel said to Philip, get up and go, verse 27, so he got up and went. And this is no small deal. I mean, it just kind of reads like, oh yeah, obviously, if there's an angel talking to me, I'd do it too. But let's remember, this is no small deal. Again, my own personal schmuckiness, like the opportunities I'm missing, opportunities I have that I'm like, oh, I should probably pray about that first. Oh, I should probably reflect with my mentor and my therapist about that before I go about doing this. No? He just got up and went. It's bold. It's kind of cool. Appreciate this about Philip. And then verse 29 to 30, can someone read that? The other reaction to the opportunity he got? So Philip didn't just the first time, so he got up and went. Do you see what he did the second time? Old boy ran. He ran up to it. He sees these breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit out in front of him, and he's not huffing and puffing. He's not 
missing the opportunity by not even hearing. He's getting up and running to the opportunity. So questions for you here again. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go real fast. Uh, what opportunities? Just we don't don't name them, but reflect on them if you want to later. What opportunities maybe have I missed? What opportunities did I not get up and go? Try and be honest with yourself. Try and be honest with your trusted humans that are around you. Where did the spirit of God and her guidance get passed over? Because of whatever, X, Y, or Z thing, the dear deal. I have a great story I was going to tell here, but I'm going to pass on it. But if you want to hear a great story afterward, it is absolutely hysterical. I'll tell you afterward. And just transition here to point three. Um, I want to know that a lot of times the invitations that I get from God aren't ones that I necessarily want to get to might have resonance with this. What we're going to see over and over again in the Bible, I mean, basically you can flip through the Bible or scan through it on your phone, put your finger on any spot in the Bible, and what's happening there is an unlikely relationship. There's, there's some sort of quote-unquote boundary being crossed. An unlikely relationship, an unusual relationship is happening that typically wouldn't be happening. And this is straight up what we get with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. This is before, remember, Acts 15 is the Council of Jerusalem. The Council of Jerusalem is this moment where the church has to decide, are we really going to include Gentiles in this? Are we really going to do this? This is a huge deal for them. We all have our own deals in our different churches on who we're going to include or not include. This is the first one. Who we're going to include. Are we really going to include Gentiles? And they decide yes. This is before then. We're still like in like Acts 7, 6, like Stephen kind of stuff, right? Peter telling sermons. Still pretty heavy on the nation of Israel. But now, here we come with Philip, baby. And we're not just going one notch over. We're going to an Ethiopian eunuch who's the boss of the queen's treasury. Now, that in mind, let's compare and contrast. Can you name, there's like 50 of them. Can you name difference here between Philip and the eunuch? For instance, Philip was probably very poor. The boss of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia was probably very wealthy. That is an unusual interaction that's happening because of that. Can you name Six more? Ten more? Twenty more? How fast can you go is the question. There's many. Yep, good. And Philip's probably not. Different nations. This is the international thing that's happening. Different gods are happening. Yeah, this is this is a, a new thing happening in this eunuch's life. Yeah. Different religions. Jew and Gentile. Yep, keep them coming. There's there's many more. Many more. Ethnicity, race. Politics, probably very different. Very different. 
But this is what we're going to see over and over again. This is why if you want to try to narrow in on is God really inviting me to do something? As you're discerning the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit out in front of your life, as you live with a posture of joy, as you try and attempt to listen to the invisible God and follow that God, if the invitation is to an unusual relationship, that's what the Bible is filled with. There are so many of them. So don't be surprised if this is happening. Okay, now, Philip goes to engage, and I'm just going to name three things here that happens. And this is why this text is so important for church plants. Verse 30, so Philip ran up to it, we already read this, and heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. Did he say, let me tell you what to believe? Is that what he said right then? No, of course not. He begins with a question. Do you understand what you are reading? He doesn't come with some sort of hammer Torah to smack him in the head with it. He doesn't come with a bullhorn to yell at him. He comes like a normal human who asks a thoughtful question to participate in a mutual relationship. I don't know if you all know this, but the church has a pretty nasty history around colonizing and proselytizing, and we're not doing that anymore. That's over. We're going to function in mutual relationships with people. We're going to function in normal relationships with people as adults would and do things like ask questions. And then you know what you do after you ask a question? You'd be amazed at how many people can't do this. You listen. It's a wild idea. Ask a question and listen. And then from there, respond with something appropriate based off of letting them know that you've listened to what they've said. Okay? So, Philip doesn't run up with a hammer. He doesn't run up with a bullhorn. He runs up and asks a question. Point two, he waits for an invitation to join. This is into our post-colonial stuff we're going to do. No more colonizing. We're done with that. No mas. This is a post-colonial important insight. He waits for an invitation to join. So he doesn't run up to the chariot and jump in and tell him what to think about life and tell him like, to believe what he believes. No, 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 no. He runs up, asks a question, and then waits to be invited until he officially joins with what's happening. Verse 31, he replied, how can I? This is the eunuch, right? How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. If we're not going to colonize, which we're not going to do, we're going to follow the Holy Spirit instead, and then we're going to function in mutual, maybe unusual, but mutual relationships. We're going to ask questions, and we're going to wait to be invited in. And then third, again, moving too quickly, he ends up joining him in a ritual. And this is actually a key point in a mutual relationship. Once you get invited into a person's life into one of their rituals, whether it be a Sunday night dinner, a baptism, a wedding, uh, you get invited to go play in a poker game with them, you know, whatever it might be. When you get invited to someone, a ritual with someone, this is a big moment in your mutual relationship. So he does this through, of course, verse 38. They do the baptism ritual together. It is a very, I wish we could go deeper into this. This is such an unlikely relationship, especially for the time and place. This story presses forward this church planting narrative that's called the book of Acts. It presses us forward, and the reason we're here today is because stuff like this happened. 
No way in a million years should they have been in relationship together. No way in a million years should they have been invited into each other's religion. But here we are. Okay. And call to actions. I'm one minute over. Sorry, I promise I did go really fast, though. <coughs> um, okay, so... Question, more questions to take with you in case you want to reflect on them later. Number one, I wonder what sort of unusual relationship you're being invited into right now as we go into this week, this month, this year. There's many relationships again. I didn't want to have, I didn't want to do this relationship, but for whatever reason, God kept knocking and needed to move into this sort of relationship. Oh, I want to tell a story so bad, but I'll tell you afterward um, if, uh, if, if, if you want to hear and then secondarily, and I would even argue maybe more importantly for y'all's church as you move towards launching your church, what sort of unusual relationships might, you, might God be inviting you into as you move towards your launch and through your launch? It's a big deal. Who you choose to relate with institutionally as a church, that decision is really important. And I encourage you to pray through it and to ask for God's guidance as you do that. Oh, we have... I, I'm, this other church plant out in Thousand Oaks. They are homeless right now. They cannot find a place to worship. They're like seven years old. They're like 100 people. It's a lovely church, one of my favorite churches that we've started. They cannot find a place to meet for worship, and it's starting to hurt them. They want to be off Zoom, and they can't do it. They've asked their parent church. They've said no. They've asked other local churches in the area, Protestant ones, Presbyterian ones. They're, they identify as Presbyterian. No, no, no. No, no. You know who said yes? The mosque. The mosque said yes. They said, come on in. You're homeless. You don't have a place to meet. We will welcome you with open arms. Come on in. That's a pretty unusual relationship. And I think they're going to go for it. I think it's going to be really fruitful. So for you as a church, what sort of unusual relationships might you be being invited into through the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit? Um, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's finish this with joy on this. When we, I don't know about you, but my preconceived notions of the Holy Spirit, we sing that Holy Spirit song. You know what Holy Spirit songs are typically about? It's about like God's presence in your life so you feel like good in the moment and like everything's good and like, oh, like glory to God. Like these like hyper individualistic existential experiences for individuals. Pretty standard. Also, to expand on that and press a little more, if you ask 100 Christians how they experience the Holy Spirit, they will go right to uh, when, when we sing worship songs on Sunday worship services. In case you didn't know, that Luke-Acts narrative, the experience of the Holy Spirit, has nothing to do with that. Literally zero. There's not like these like existential experiences in worship where people are like at an in temple and like going through a liturgy and like, oh yeah, that's how I experience the Holy Spirit. It's all toward the mission of God. Welcoming the unlikely, moving into un unusual relationships that only God could have prompted. This is what happens over and over. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I would argue, I'm biased, I admit it, a posture of joy should include this kind of thing because that adventure is so empowering. And I hope you all can be empowered by that a little more in your weeks this week. Okay? Thanks for letting me join you. What a joy. So happy to be with you all. Well done, congrats on this, and uh, I look forward to uh, your public launch being with you in that. Um, 
Should I say a prayer? Is that what you all do? And then we're, we're out of here? Cool. I'll give it to you. We'll, we'll let the, the, the microphone turn off, though. Okay, cool. Uh, does someone else want to pray? You want to stand up? I mean, how do you, let's stand up. Would someone say a prayer to finish our time together? Amen. Good to be with you all. Have a good week.